Over the past couple of weeks, as we've begun our series, How to Pray, we've looked at, at a few things so far. We've looked at stillness and we've looked at adoration, two crucial postures for us to assume, to come into greater knowledge of as we learn about prayer. To know that awareness of God, knowledge of God is found in stillness, which it does make sense, but it goes against every striving part of us. And last week we learned to respond to that invitation of enjoyment in God. Prayer is not always furrowed brow and hard work. Sometimes it's fun. And hopefully you've also found the prayer practices helpful too. If you've been if you've been using those, they're not meant to be arduous. I'm not giving you lots of extra things to do. We really believe that they bring life, and we also believe that it's important to put into practice the things that we talk about here. This week, in fact, for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the thing that we probably associate most with prayer: asking. We'll look at petition, which is asking for our own needs. We'll look at intercession, which is asking for the needs of others. And then we'll spend a week talking about unanswered prayer. Asking in prayer is, I think, the most natural thing in the world. We'll do it all the time, sometimes without even realising. It encompasses those desperate, please, prayers prayed by everyone at some point in their lives, whether they believe in God or not. To the quick, help me find my keys, God, prayers. To the prayers that are prayed for many, many years. Asking is prayer at its most elemental. This week we're looking at a story that Jesus tells, which just comes directly after the bit where he teaches the disciples how to pray. So he teaches them the basics and then it's like he says, let me tell you a story to show you what I mean. So we're going to read that together. This is in Luke, one of the accounts of Jesus' life in the New Testament, Luke chapter 11, and then reading from verse 5. And it's going to come up on the screen as well, or you can follow along if you have your Bible. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Crystal, who you'll remember kicked off our series for us a couple of weeks ago, she told a story a while ago in our Rooted podcast, which for me really demonstrated the simplicity of what it means to ask and also exposed something of why we sometimes find it hard. She told the story of her friend whose kids were getting ready to do a drive-by celebration of their friend for her birthday. They couldn't have a normal party and so they had made all these cardboard signs and they got balloons and they were going to drive by her house and beep their horns and shout happy birthday out the window with their signs. Just as they were getting ready to leave, it began to pour with rain and we will know that wind and rain and balloons and cardboard signs, they don't really mix. 
Crystal said that her friend just went into dad mode of like, how can I fix this? This is so disappointing. This is not gonna work. What can I do? My poor kids, this poor little girl whose birthday it is. And as they were driving and as he was fretting and it was all chaos, he caught sight of his four-year-old in the back seat. And there are some serious Christian parenting points coming up here. She was sitting with her head bowed, with her little hands clasped in her lap, praying over and over, God, please make it stop raining for a friend so she can have a good birthday. God, please make it stop raining for our friend so she can have a good birthday. And a few minutes later, the rain stopped and the sun out of nowhere came through the clouds and they were able to celebrate this little girl for her birthday as they had planned. Is that a freak meteorological coincidence that has nothing to do with the prayers of a four-year-old in the backseat of a car? With no faith, yeah, sure. Why attribute it to anything else? But with faith, I don't know. It sounds more like shameless audacity to me. It's not unusual for us to overcomplicate things. We're, we're pretty good at that. And sometimes, sometimes things are complicated. But prayer, though it may be a discipline, though it may require something of us, prayer is simple. To pray is to ask. At the root of the word, from its origins in Middle English and Latin, which gives us the word we use today, it means to ask earnestly, to entreaty. So when we say, let's pray, we're really saying, let's ask. That's what Jesus is trying to get over in the story that he tells here. This is how he demonstrates prayer to us. Verse five, suppose you have a friend, you go to him at midnight and you say, lend me some bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey and I have no food to offer him. Verse nine, ask and it will be given to you. The first lesson Jesus teaches the disciples about prayer is that they can ask and keep on asking. Which, when you're a kid at four years old and your dad told you that you can ask God for anything and maybe in your short life you have yet to be disappointed in prayer, then that's easy. But when you're a hard seasoned adult and life has dealt you a few blows and you've asked and you haven't received, the clouds can very easily come over that seemingly simplistic view and you can say, well, it's not quite as simple as all that. Perhaps you've even thought, why do I bother? Like, does asking make any difference at all? If God knows what happens and he's in control of everything anyway, why should my asking make any difference at all to the outcome? Have you ever wondered that? What you think about God when it comes to prayer matters. Sometimes I think we try and divide the characteristics of God up and apply certain ones to certain situations. So often in our despairing moments of questioning the necessity of asking, we remember the immutability of God, his unchanging nature. God is immutable, he cannot be changed. 
therefore this asking is futile. God is immutable. God's character cannot and will not be changed and praise God for that. But first, his character is not sectioned off bit by bit. He is not immutable in one instance or situation and then loving in the next and then good and then omniscient. He is God all the time. He is all of those things, all the time, all at once. And if that sounds like something that's hard to understand, then that's fair because he is also beyond understanding. The point here is that I believe his unchanging nature should never be isolated. When we question why we should ask, we cannot simply reference the unchanging nature of God as a reason why we shouldn't bother. Because that is never the full picture. When we ask, we don't just ask one part of God. I also think, secondly, when we look to the Bible, yes, we see a God who makes it clear that his character is unchanging, but that he is also a God who allows his heart to be moved, his action to be influenced by those who bring petitions and prayers to him. One example of several is, in, is found in Exodus 32, which is in the Old Testament. We read that God was on the knife edge of bringing disaster on the whole nation and starting over again. But Moses pleaded with God to turn aside from his intention and spare the people. What happened? We read, the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do. Or, as another translation puts it starkly, the Lord changed his mind. Seems like a contradiction of terms, doesn't it? It's a bit of a mind melt. If God is unchanging, how come he changed his mind? Karl Barth, who's a great theologian, once observed that he saw no contradiction at all in a God who chooses to let prayers affect him. He is not deaf, writes Barth. He listens. More than that, he acts. Prayer exerts an influence on God's action, even upon his existence. The fact that God yields to our petitions, changing his intentions in response to our prayers is not a sign of weakness. God himself has so willed it. It is part of God's will that we ask. God's unchanging nature is not diminished by his choice to let our prayers affect him. And they do. Let me go somewhere else. I noticed a detail in scripture a few months ago when we were reading through the Gospel of Luke in Rooted, reading a story that I've read hundreds of times before, the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. You find it right at the beginning of that Gospel. Now, John the Baptist, in case you don't know, he's a pretty important figure. There's some prophecies about him in the Old Testament. He was a messenger. He was the forerunner to Jesus. As far as characters go in the arc of the story, he's pretty crucial. His father was a man called Zechariah and he was a priest and he was going to the temple one day to do 
his stuff there and an angel appears, classic, and says the best thing ever to a man on his face, terrified. He says, don't be afraid. It's a good line. He says, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And then he goes on to say all of these amazing things about what this child will be like and what he will do. Did you catch it? Because I didn't. This is John the Baptist. Like, he had to happen. And yet the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer for a son, even now in your old age, a son that you're not looking to be anything special in the outworking of God's plan for salvation, you're just looking to be special to you. Your prayer has been heard. You're asking, even in a scenario seemingly as set as this one, matters. Why would the asking matter if no difference was to be made by it? God is not a narcissist. He does not tell us to ask in order to satiate his own ego. That's not who he is. I think he tells us to ask because I believe that the asking actually matters. I wonder though, um, at a deeper level, perhaps in our asking, our hesitation is, is not always the asking itself, but rather the fear or the doubt of, will I be heard? Will I be heard? Are my prayers going to some cosmic inbox and eventually someone gets so overwhelmed by the sheer amount of stuff in there and just as a blanket, mark all is read. I'm obviously not speaking from personal experience there. No. You see, to understand that we can petition God for things, that we can ask him for things, as simply as that little girl in the backseat of her car asking God to stop the rain, is to understand that our voices matter to God. The inflection of your speech, your momentary thoughts, your, your way of expressing something, your laboured cries, you, your very self, exactly as you are today, you matter to God. It matters to him that you ask him in your own way, with your own words, and as many times as you need to. Now, does this mean that if we just get the words the right way round, then we can manipulate our prayers to get a yes to all our requests? No, of course not. There are some prayers that I'm very glad that God didn't answer as I wanted. And equally, there are some prayers that I so desperately wish he had, or would, or had answered differently. That's why we're spending a week talking about unanswered prayer because it is a thorn all of us will have dealt with. Learning to ask is not about getting the magic formula right. Learning to ask is learning that we can ask, that we should ask that God wants and wills and tells us to ask. 
Pete Gregg says in his book, our primary privilege as God's children is to ask audaciously and repeatedly for everything we need, expecting him to answer naturally or supernaturally. Let's go back to where we began. I love that the NIV says, because of your shameless audacity, he will get up and give you whatever you need. And that's a pretty accurate translation, actually. It's persistence, but it's persistence that is shameless in its pursuit. The invitation is to shameless persistence before God. And it could be that we are at risk of painting that in in a maybe slightly negative light, Because don't we often say things like, oh, have you no shame? Or, oh, you were shameless. And it's not a good thing. But here I wonder if it is. You see, the Psalms tell us when we look to God for help, we will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken our faces. So to be shameless before God, audaciously asking for all that we need is to be exactly as we should be. That little girl, the one who knew God could stop the rain, she had shameless audacity, literally. Before God, her father, no shame was darkening her way to him. It was all light. We receive the same invitation from Jesus. The words in that passage for ask and for seek and for knock, in the original Greek, they're written in the present active imperative tense. And before you you paint me as a Greek grammar whiz, I read that in Pete's book. And I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure he probably read it somewhere else too. So we credit whoever that person is. But the point is, is that it's meant as a continuous thing. It means keep on asking. It means keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on. Persistence in prayer is hard and it has mountaintops and valleys, but it's a necessary work and it's one we are invited to. Pete says this, God's suddenly happens slowly. Most instant miracles take years. Study them carefully and you'll discover that they owe far less to faith in that one dramatic moment than they do to years of faithful endurance behind the scenes, quietly asking, waiting and trusting. It's impossible to grow in faith without growing in faithfulness. And it's impossible to grow in faithfulness if all your prayers are answered right away. In the asking, there is a call to keep on asking. There is an invitation to persistence, to perseverance, to audacity free of shame, to know that this unchangeable God chooses to let his heart be moved and his actions influenced by our prayers. And that our prayers have been heard. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we know that we need you. 
We want to respond to the invitation that you are putting out for us this morning. We want to be people who ask freely, audaciously, repeatedly, shamelessly for everything that we need. And we want to be people of expectation as well. Holy Spirit, will you come? I wonder if for some of us, you're feeling that pull to persistence. To keep on asking. Perhaps God wants you to receive that renewal today. I wonder if for others there's an invitation again to know that we are heard and to choose today to stand on that assurance. And even for others, perhaps there's a call to pick something back up again, where it has been discarded, where our our wondering of does this even matter has taken over. There is an invitation to ask again. So Holy Spirit, if that's what you're doing in some of us, then we ask you to come and do that. And we open ourselves up to that and we welcome you. We don't want to go away from this moment without allowing you to do in us what you want to. So come Holy Spirit. Amen.